They set up uh, without John Cardo on the road with Justin Zell. Hey, Justin. Hey, Chris. Justin just showed me some uh, rope fetish things. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about leaving them out on the table when we had uh, uh, room service. Yeah, I got much worse stuff in my bags, Justin. <laughs> Uh, no, you just showed me like a little knot thing. Yeah. That was very... Uh, it's hard to do. It was... And this is an actual skill thing. Yeah. It's just having to give them the timing of... Kind Whipping of like a rope, it. snapping a rope and making a knot in it as it that's falls. It. Exactly, yeah. And uh, you know, maybe we'll put it on... Do you mind if I put the slow motion version on the no, Instagram? No, that's fine, yeah. Because uh, even in slow motion, we couldn't figure out what was happening. <laughs> exactly what was happening, yeah. It just, just know how to do it. Somehow it was working. Yeah. Uh, so we're here for Magi Fest. In Columbus, Ohio. 2020. Um, yeah, that's been our attitude this whole week. Week is just fucking party. <laughs> We're going to just, this hotel room is going to be a disaster by the end yeah, of the Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Sunday. It's going to be cards everywhere. Uh, and Folded you were, cards everywhere. You haven't been in a to a convention as an adult. Exactly, yeah. I think the last time I was like probably 16 or 17 was the last time I uh-huh. came to a convention. And this is my second magic convention. Wow. You're racking them up. Pretty fast. Pretty fast. Yeah. And I this may this might be maybe I'll just come to this one once a year because the the small one that I went into Los Angeles, I spent too much money and I know that I'm gonna spend too much money for this one. Um You're so. a shopaholic. I think this, this is magic. my goal is for this to be sort of the last round of magic purchasing ideally for twenty twenty. For twenty twenty, wow. It'd be great if I could s- sustain that. Yeah. Because the thing is in my garage. I have lots of stuff to learn now. Like, I have plenty of books. I have plenty of little gadgets and gimmicks and stuff. Right. So, I don't need any more stuff. Gotcha. Except for the stuff I'm going to see this weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, you get kind of caught up in buying specific effects or specific gimmicks. Yeah. And sometimes you don't... One of the things I try to think about is, like, what would, what would enhance what I already have, you yeah. know? So, last night, like we were talking about, I was like, what do I really need? And you were like, need... Uh, I, I mean, we don't need, need any of this. Stuff, of course. <laughs> if we if we if we reduce <laughs> this to like, do I need this? Then we shouldn't even be in this hotel. <laughs> That's right. I don't need this stuff. Um, but it was like you know, I have no card clips, so maybe card clips would be a good thing because now, now that you showed me a before this, before we recorded, you showed me a couple of false shuffles and things like that. Yes. I want to now. Now I want to practice. I want to get. I want to get a shooter guy with Matt. Yeah. And I want to get a mirror. Like, I've never wanted that in my life. Yeah, 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 I guess I used to practice in front of a full-length mirror in my parents' house, but that's a whole other story. Um, I showed Justin the truffle shuffle. That's right. And, uh, and a bad example of a zero shuffle. <laughs> I thought it looked great to my me. My zero shuffle is not something that I would feel confident doing in front of people, but oh, the okay. tr- first one, the in-the-hand ones, I am comfortable doing. Well, it did make me think of, of an idea that I was thinking of, of like, practicing things even when you don't have to do them yes you know or like putting them into routines when it doesn't have to be a false shuffle right yeah yeah because uh, what was the helps. thing you were saying the something you did oh that i'll i constantly i use like i use a riffle force mm-hmm. and every time i have somebody select a card a lot of times i just use the riffle force not necessarily forcing it or forcing a random card that i don't know what the top card yeah, is just so the but, just so that I get the practice or that it looks the same no matter how I have somebody pick a card. Yes, this goes to the uh, – when John listens to this, he will – the the debate about like um, – I think maybe it was Robert Ramirez brought mm-hmm. up to him about um, having things look the same in general. And my, my analogy was that like for actors who um, who 
in an effort to be to have more their behavior on stage or on camera look more like how they are in real life become more artificial in real life <laughs> as opposed to being more work. realistic yeah, yeah. on camera because at least they can then say they're consistent right like i'm always just fake and weird <laughs> right well then um, that makes me feel like is that is that what like nicholas cage and christopher walken are doing are they just doing impressions of them of maybe their of characters or yeah. or they're doing like um yeah, like they're doing a cover version of themselves. Right. Um, so you haven't been in convention in a while. What do you expect from this one? Um, just like being, like feeling like a kid again. Yeah. Like I already feel like just doing the little like jamming we've been doing yeah. in the hotel. And like I we, just. We have been jamming back and forth naturally. Yeah. Just like, have you ever seen this? Or you know how to do yeah. this? Or yeah. Um, and I think the reason, apparently this convention is good for that. Yeah. Uh, last night already, people were in the bar doing stuff. We've already seen some notables, magic notables. That's right. In the hall, as we were, two doors down, <laughs> two doors down. Andy Gladwin, owner of Vanishing Inc., who's one of the people running this whole thing. We said hello to him. He's very friendly. Very nice. Um, probably regrets us knowing which room he's in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we and uh, yesterday on the elevator, I saw Howard Hamburg. Um, and then in the lobby yesterday, I saw Xavier Spade, who's a card YouTuber. So who knows who all's going to be here? Yeah, I mean, at some point, I'm going to see Danny Dortiz in this hotel. That's right. Um, you have to restrain yourself. Yeah, I'll put, put, serve myself a restraining order. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll be fun. Um, the uh, what are you looking forward to the festival? You asked me. Or the I'm looking forward convention. to it. Uh, I I'm always excited by dealer rooms <laughs> right <laughs> but also i think the performers and lectures that are set up for this is pretty crazy yeah um that's the thing i i i think it's that mixture of the, yeah like when i see a de when dealers put all their wares out and do demos that's exciting that's like a kid again of like ooh, i want to get that yeah. or you know and i'm i think i'm i'm almost kind of like a little what's the word i'm looking for i never did that experience with myself by myself Mm -hmm. And now I'm really like conjuring up memories of doing it with my dad because my yeah. dad was always there and him buying. I remember him buying cartoon. Oh, because he loved it so much. Yeah. But me going, that's kind of lame. It's printed on Hoyle. Like, I don't like that fact. That it's not printed <laughs> on bicycle cards. I'm sure uh -huh. there's a bicycle version now, but yeah. I hated that it was Hoyle cards back in the day, even though it's the same company. But yeah. I didn't like it because I was like, who uses Hoyle? Nobody has Hoyle. Mm -hmm. Although they do come with like, back in the day, they used to come with like cheap poker chips was always like a hoyle deck inside not a oh not a so that would be good if like people had them yeah in their house they would look normal but uh we're gonna oh we're oh, gonna see yeah. some lectures then the lectures is the other part of like oh always learning some amazing things or just little nuggets that sometimes inspire me in other parts of my life like performing improv i learned a lot from mark tolan's lecture that he did in back in pittsburgh uh -huh. That I was like, oh, right, it's a show. I should do that in my improv, too. I should come out and welcome the audience and make them feel like they made a good purchase. Stuff like oh, that, you know? Yeah. And that's why when you do improv now, you always have a deck of cards on you. Always a deck of cards. <laughs> uh, and do I do I do uh, invisible deck every time. Uh -huh. And I make sure that I, I, I shame the person for not opening up the box before yes, they yes. shuffle the cards. John's favorite joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Also weird because most props in improv are invisible to begin with. That's right. And then you actually pull out an actual deck. I pull an actual deck and then reveal uh, their card. Oh, I should say that Justin is the co-owner of Steel City Improv Theater. Theater. That's right. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's right. 
um, where I taught a workshop on Tuesday. Super fun. Um, and we, I went to Pittsburgh and we drove out here for this. Yeah. Uh, but if you're in Pittsburgh, you should check out their classes and shows. Oh, thanks, man. Um, and uh, also, you like uh, the Liberty Magic in Pittsburgh, right? I really love it. They've really done a good job. Mm -hmm. It's it definitely like feels like a magic shop when you walk in. Um, they do have a couple of things you can buy. They're mostly like uh, FAO Swartz, you know, toy magic stuff. Uh -huh. But um, could but you yeah. take a lesson there? I don't think they have classes. They've talked about wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I don't know how quickly they'll do that. Uh, but they're they're building a roster of like people that come in and do close up before the show. Mm -hmm. So, and they're really starting to build up local magicians, which is a good thing too. So. And you uh, did a lot of magic when you were younger. A lot, yeah. Pretty much from the age of like five on. I and then you quit when twenty. I quit in when I was in my twenties, which would be like early 20s it was probably like 2002 or something and like what that. was the impetus for you quitting oh okay uh well i i did a few tricks at my job i don't know if it was that late in the year but um a few jobs i worked at samuel french incorporated the oh. play publisher um and uh this very nice girl who was like working in a different apartment but she saw me did some tricks she invited me to a party and then i realized there was nobody that i knew there mm. i was like oh that's weird but it's very nice that she invited me to the party and then she like just covertly said hey do you want to do some magic and i went wasn't planning on it but okay and then i just performed i do my normal stuff i could do with a regular deck or maybe some rubber bands or something and then i just felt used i felt <laughs> like oh my god i'm that guy uh -huh. i only reason i was invited was because she's like maybe he'll do some magic uh -huh. and i really disliked it at that point so then i just kind of quit admittedly there are little blur blips and blurps along yeah the way last night you were magic. saying like well i quit magic and then you reeled off like three or four times i did yeah. magic in between including courting my wife so yes that's right uh yeah. <laughs> then there's a photo on your refrigerator where I was like, "Is he? Why is he surprised that he came off as that guy? <laughs> that guy, right? Yes. Because th is this your high school graduate? My senior photo that was in the yearbook because, you know, that, I don't know if you know this about it. I know a lot about it because my dad was a photographer and he took that photograph. Oh, um, he he, all he allowed photos. his son to be taken with that. He. He encouraged it. There's there's a whole portfolio. If you went to my parents' house in Sarasota, you would see a whole thing of me like I'm holding a a ring, a, like a linking ring with like a, a handkerchief floating in between it. Uh -huh. Like it's horrible. Uh, and it's like a weird like paisley tie and suspenders. You would have loved it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I would have loved it. You would have loved it. It's so it's so cheesy. It, like it's like so 90s and cheesy. Uh, it was like 95 or so. Uh and, um, but what it was, one of the things about, this is a silly thing to tell you, but one of the things about yearbooks is sometimes it depends on who's in charge of it, mm. whether you have to do like the formal, I'm wearing a fake tuxedo or I'm wearing a, a drape for or the Or you ladies. get some personality in there. Or you can do whatever one you want. And right. that, I look it out, that's the year. So if people open up their 1995 Binghamton High School yearbook, there I am in black and white though, with a deck of cards next to my face. Yes. When you get out. home to Pittsburgh yeah. and you take a photo of that. Oh sure, it's and probably we'll, actually on my Instagram. And we'll put if, it if you on, look at we'll, it. But, we'll yeah. put it on our Instagram as well. Yeah, yeah for yeah. the setup because that's that's what Justin left behind, and that's that's the Justin that was surprised that someone <laughs> said, "Hey, come to valued my... him for his magic skills." That's right. That's right. When it's very clear that Justin valued himself for his magic <laughs> right, skills. That's true. Uh, and then you got back into it because of this and Abracababble. Yeah, basically, <laughs> really it was you two talking about it uh, on your podcast that I was like, I really want to do this again. And I want to, I, and I looked up the local ring and started going to meetings and it was like coming home. 
And now you're, uh, you're involved with the IBM ring in yeah, ring, ring number 13. The Tampa ring. The Tampa ring, that's right. Where, and there's a convoluted reason why it's called that. Right. It's named after a performer that that was his stage name, that he was a part of the one of the original members of it. Yeah. Uh, have you seen uh, any of the performers we're going to see this weekend before? Not live, but I remember David Williamson okay. being a very a big influence when I was a kid, uh -huh. watching his stuff and going like, wow, this guy's really good. So I'm yeah. really excited to see him. I'm yeah. excited to see him. And uh, and you have not seen Danny D'Ortiz? No. I think... I I think so, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Like and tomorrow we are going to be seeing um, Hector Mancha do his Fism act. Oh right, or yeah. Saturday, I should say. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I actually don't know what that is, and I'm not going to YouTube it or Google it because I don't really want to know. Right, but I imagine that John knows what that means. Right, <laughs> and that uh, since he's our Fism expert. Yeah. That's the thing. I haven't delved into like getting to know the names of Magic now as much. I think that's the thing. My head's kind of stuck in the old. So the minute an old name, like an older name of somebody who's more established, pops up, I'm get I get excited. Right. You know, like like for the Pittsburgh uh, IBM meeting or uh, convention that's happening in July, I was so excited when I saw that Jay Sankey's going to be there because he's right. one of the first lecturers I ever saw. And it's like, you know, 25 years later, I'm going to see him again. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you have a, you're going to have a lot of like Korean names to learn. I know. I, when yes. you're going to learn. Based on your podcast, I've heard I've got yeah. to know a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, so we'll check in after this evening's uh, over. Uh, but today, tonight at six o'clock, we're seeing Peter Clifford. He's a UK. Maybe he's a mentalist. I actually don't know. Uh, and then eight o'clock, we're seeing Avner the Eccentric. Which I have seen a couple of videos of his. Yeah. Uh, 10 o'clock, really we're seeing climate. Ryan Plunkett. Uh, who I saw at Chicago Magic Lunch, who's, who's great. And then 11 to midnight is Carl Hine in the lobby, like doing uh, like magic, bar magic. Oh. So that'll be fun. That's always fun, yeah. So that's what yeah. we're seeing tonight. Uh, so I think we should check in after. We'll, we'll do, every six hours we'll do a new podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just content, content, content for yeah. our, 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 our I'm, now I'm, I'm taking it no, over. No, you're fine. Our subscribers. You know what? I'll give you a third of our income. Oh. Okay. <laughs> in perpetuity what's um, zero divided by three yeah actually negative because i have to pay for the hosting oh okay so <laughs> i owe you money you, I, I need money from you um and so we'll see you later and uh i guess until then uh, the setup out we both like that podcast yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay justin we're back we're back We've traveled forward in time. <sighs> it was a lot. First, I want to say I like Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. It's uh, a very cute town. Yeah, I, I I, was inspired. Here's the thing. It's not normally me. I was inspired to post about the food here yeah. on my Instagram. So. We've had very good food. Yeah. Uh, and unique dishes on, on all the menus. Uh, yes. We went to... Yes, there have been unusual... We've been to three places... Yeah. And they've all had a thing that neither of us had like ever seen on a menu before. Yeah. So fried green beans were wonderful. Fried green beans at Tip Top Diner or That's Tip right. Top or whatever. Yeah. And then we went to the Cap City Fine Diner. That's right. And we had a uh, hot and sour calamari. calamari. That which was very so good. good. So good. And then uh, we went to Catalina's. Yeah. Which is in the short north. Which short is north? Little, That's yeah, what it's, it's called. Neighborhood. Short north. <laughs> um, and we had, you had uh, pancake balls. Pancake balls. Your nutritionist balls. doesn't listen to this. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> she has, she doesn't need to know about this. Okay, <laughs> and, um, and I had uh, uh, roast pork and egg breakfast sandwich mm. which is really good. That looked really good. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about food for the next couple. Yeah, that's it. No. Uh, yeah. And um, 
It's it's really nice, it's, and the weather held up until today. It's just now raining. Yeah, today, uh, last night, late last night, it started getting really icy. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in a, a couple of Ubers last night, and there was like, there it was like slipping. I was slipping on the sidewalk <gasps> a little bit. Oh my gosh! It, it was actually particularly like dangerously kind of slick ice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was in the twenties, so yeah. Um, but we don't know. We're in a nice hotel. We're in a nice hotel, and uh, so let's talk about what we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. We're about to sort of embark onto the last day. Yeah. Of the convention, but we have seen uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Uh, highlighted day one, Thursday, as you look at your... Obner placard. the Eccentric, I would say. Oh, or or, or well, Ryan wonderful Plunkett. Show. Ryan Plunkett, show and lecture. Those were the two highlights for me. Oh, well, all three of those. Avner, uh, uh, I keep saying it wrong. Avner the Eccentric was just so fun and just so simple. And yes. then... And by the uh, way, they clarified that his pr- it's pronounced Avner. It's Avner, right. Okay, yeah. good. Avner. Um, one-man show, you know, clowning, just really, really nice stuff. Uh, Ryan Plunkett, yeah, did surprise me as like how much I loved it and how much I didn't know about the stripper deck that you could even use it for anything. <laughs> we have both purchased stripper decks since yes. then, and there's a I will say there's a wi- wild wide range of prices for stripper decks in the dealer's yes. room. There's from five fifteen to twenty five. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I also just now bought some decks at one table. Walked three tables down, saw the same thing for five dollars less. <laughs> oh like, no! I actually think it's. Um, believe me, there's a lot about this convention culture that I don't understand. Mm. I think it's slightly weird to have dealers come in that are just like, I sell everything. Right, like a, just a magic shop. Yeah, versus, because versus like I am the vendor sen- selling this thing that I made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a little confusing for, so for like, uh, there's a, right when you come in, I mean, they. Uh, it's obviously okay with them because Vanishing Ink is running this whole convention. Right. But right when you go in, there's a guy selling books, and he's selling Vanishing Ink books. In the back, they're selling Vanishing Ink books. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little strange to me. Yeah, it's it's weird. And then, like, it, well, that brings us to kind of the idea of like, do you know if if you're doing a show show or you're doing a show in a lecture, to maybe communicate with everybody. But although it's a huge amount of people because so many different oh, things. Every one, day. But one hundred percent, this is my biggest gripe about this whole yeah. convention is that we saw the explanation of the diminishing cards, and then someone did it in the show, like stuff like that. You oh, that 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 no 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 yeah. that was what but I was that was unfortunate. Um, yeah. So in in Wolfgang Moser's lecture, he discussed diminishing cards, and his version of diminishing cards is very right. good. Very. Good. So imagine a diminishing cards where you remove the part where you take the card out from your pocket and show it to compare the size with the other one, which is a, a moment that some business has done. Right. That moment is not in his diminishing cards. Right. It's and very so it's, clean. Yeah, it's much more... Um, and the thing is, I think a regular audience member wouldn't be able to articulate what was missing. Oh, yeah, They would just feel no. No, no, that no, no, it, was no, no, more, no. it was more smooth. So he really goes from having the cards in his hands to having nothing in his hands without ever putting his hands in his pockets. Right. But not also, in his pockets. Pockets, right, right, right. <laughs> Quote, wink, wink. He has some other thing <laughs> going on, which he was uh, really pushing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he doesn't, I mean, he's not selling them. He's not selling it. He's, he was <laughs> he really like, sell them. He was really pushing the concept. Right, the concept, of, uh, yeah. Of a pochette. A pochette, yes. Which is a, is a pocket, French. but it's yeah. like lower on your leg. Yeah. And apparently, it's a very old idea. Uh, actually, well, yeah, and there's also, I mean, <laughs> there's also, you know. You see people wearing cargo shorts. It seems like it has pockets all the way down to the shin. You know, yes, and the front. But uh, my this is more my um, my jeans that uh, sometimes are loose enough 
that uh, I, last night I was like, well, he was saying to put it here, and I did that, and I was like, oh, well, there's just a, my back pocket. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's also available. Um, um, but what I was – actually, I was trying to get with th- – that actually makes me think of the fact that, like, um, performing, just performing, flat performing, and not performing and then lecturing is probably the hardest thing to do at a magic convention. Just straight up performing? Just straight up performing. Yes, I would agree with that. Because there's just so... there's Te- Kind of a terrible audience for that kind they're of thing. They're the, the, the worst audience, <laughs> in a sense, you know. Yeah. There were some people, I think, you know, and also the bigger the crowd of magicians, the more that each of those percentages grow, it feels like, you know. The percentage of the eye rollers or the yeah. crossing their arms or whatever. Now, I, again, this is not really, I guess, something that you can do well no no i think you could do something about this but this is this goes back to when i went to the la penguin max yeah i just think actually this goes all the way back to when i saw drag performers perform in orlando oh i think performing in a hotel conference room is the worst oh it's just the worst like it's just venue. not set up for a good theater experience you're all yeah. on the same the seats are all on the same level right doesn't matter no how raking. raised that stage is you'd have to raise it another like you'd have to raise it another like three or four and feet then all easy. of your card angles would be horrible because people would be looking i'll oh, be able to see underneath it that's true yeah oh wow i never thought about that so um, yeah the only way out of it is try to like figure out how to rake the seating and that would be just a pain in the ass I, I would either uh, I will say and expensive. I will say that at Edinburgh Fringe, there's a lot of venues that are hotel rooms where they have raked seats. They have like uh, oh really? What do you call it? Risers. Oh, risers. Yeah, metal risers. So yeah, that's one way, right? That. But yeah. also, what if there was a conference that was like, you go see shows in a theater theater, and then the lectures are in a classroom. That does you know? that has happened. Um, apparently, they used to do that at least for the gala performance at. Um, Whenever the IBM convention would be in Pittsburgh, uh-huh. they used to have because I guess it rotates, and that was one they've they've had it other years, and then just this year that's coming up. Um, but I guess that venue downtown is no longer available, so it's going to unfortunately be in the conference room. But I will say this for the uh, the Wyndham's conference the ballroom mm-hmm. is very nice, and it's actually a lot more theater tech than this ballroom. Has. Okay, but try to get some risers. Is all I'm saying. Well, it's also it has, does have pa- a higher pa- it has a higher stage though. Get it does Paul have riser. a higher stage. Paul Reiser? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's, moments, just, that's a joke just for, at Jimmy Pardo. It's, me, it's moments like that when Justin laughs that make it makes me feel like Pete Holmes is in the room. <laughs> uh, actually, right. so you're, yeah, uh, the IBM, is uh, it an international convention? I believe so, yeah. Is in Pittsburgh this year. It's going to be in Pittsburgh this year in July, yeah. In July, July 8th through the 11th, I believe. Uh, and you'll probably be roped in to help. Oh yeah, I'll be doing something yeah. for sure, for sure. I'll be there at the very least because I don't have to. I, I I can drive. I can actually probably take a eight dollar Uber there if I really wanted to. It's that well, close to go. my house. So, um, so yeah, we went off on tangent from Thursday. That's day all one. I did. Ryan, Ryan Plunkett right. was great. Um, I also I, like Carl Carl Hine. Carl Hine, yeah, but his actual lecture was the next day. Carl oh. Hine was doing bar magic. <laughs> I, I'm reading it so quickly, I didn't see the lecture. Yeah. Carl Hine was doing bar magic. Yeah, I didn't see both him perform. Nights, but I actually didn't see him perform. Uh, but we got yeah. to see him perform in the lecture. How many people can you get around a bar? 20? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's hard. It's hard with if there's if there's just even only 600 people here. They claim there's 1,000, but I don't know. Okay, so this is what I'll just get my gripes about the convention off All right. the top. Oh, we haven't already done that. So I've started doing that. Well, already. This is we've my mostly big, been griping so far. Let's talk gripe, about the good stuff. <laughs> uh, no, we said these guys. My big gripe is my big gripes are this. One is this is not about the conventions, about me. I think that I need to go to events that are like five hundred people or fewer. I have a hard time with the crowds. Yeah. Um, 
Even to the point of, you guys know how much I like to spend money. Yes. And I have spent money. Right. But the dealer's room is, is apparently was more cramped than they wanted it to be. But it's Definitely very more hard, than usual. Yeah, sure. hard to move around. And honestly, at a certain point, I was just thinking to myself, I prefer shopping online. <laughs> um, because yeah. I don't like crowding around people to try to... I, wa- I like watching the demos, but I just right. don't like the amount of traffic I'm having to fight. It is it is worse than normal. I would say like a um, I would say a um, a convention hack. That's something I've learned from this experience is yeah. pick something uh, along the the timeline, or if it's especially in the morning, oh, that you're not that deal- interested in, and go to the dealer's room. Then, right? I went during the one of the lectures this morning, and it was really nice, but. Because I was walking so leisurely, I got through about half or two thirds. Because there's three did aisles. It, did it end? Then I turned around. and went, "Oh man, I'm not going down that aisle now because yeah. it got too." It was even still a little too crowded because, at one point, it just one like I think it was Card Sharks just had a, like all a line of people watching stuff. Yeah, and also Patrick uh, Redford. Redford was there. Who I just went, so I just got some stuff from his booth just now. So yeah, so so oh cool. So the minute I stood across there and I was just talking to Jack Greenberg, a uh, former international president and someone who will definitely be there at the IBM convention. Um, 75 years he's been a member wow. of the uh, the ring, of the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Um, but he, uh, but we're talking and then all of a sudden then we are just a big blockage because we're on the yes, other side of them in front of You're Pat's. the guys that are like, what are you, why are you right, why this spot? Why are you talking? Yeah, I know. But I felt bad because also I didn't want to like rush him in any way because he's, he's old and so is his wife Carol and they're lovely. But I just, uh, we, yeah, we had like a conversation I should probably have had in the lobby. Um, but so it's even then when it's light, it was still it still felt cramped at I times. I wonder if the has anyone ever proposed changing the name to the International like Fellowship of Magicians? We got to do something. I know I hate the name. That's why I think everyone just says IBM. They don't want to say it. Yeah. You know, they don't want to say Brotherhood because it just automatically makes you feel like. It's no, a, no, it's thanks, dude, it's a, yeah, no thanks, ladies. Um, no thanks, ladies. No <laughs> thanks, ladies. No thanks, ladies. No thanks, ladies. We'll let you do the real work. No. <laughs> um, yeah, because even then, like most women, I think in the in the IBM are associate <laughs> members, and they're basically just the wives and/or assistants of the. Because it's like built bad. into the name that it's gendered. Yeah, I don't love it, but I like it. Uh, I don't want to th- no throwing shade, but I do like it better than. The, the feeling I get from Sam from the oh. Society of American Magicians but it's also what I know I started at well, IBM I feel why like, would I go somewhere different? I feel like this must be extremely colored by your local club like there's probably oh, great both, local both. IBM rings and, and I'm sure there's great Sam's Sam yeah. assemblies as they call them yeah, yeah. Um, and so you might yeah. just be like oh I happen to be grow up in Tucson where the Sam is amazing and the right. IBM ring is a bunch of dicks right. I like Sam <laughs> or there is no Sam there was no Sam in my hometown yeah. so I just joined the first one that I found you know? okay so anyway number of people is not a no more my all, all all credit to Vanishing Inc for getting a thousand people to the show amazing because uh, the fact that so it's more people than I would like, right? However, because there are a thousand people here, the roster of guests that they can get is very high, right? So that's sort of right. the price I'm paying, I guess, right? And even then, you're not paying a huge price for a convention, like no. two hundred dollars when we did an early registration. I don't know what yeah. did it go up to two fifty. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. It's very good, and you get gifts and like we got little gifts and stuff when we came in. Even like, if you it, just came and saw all the lectures and didn't purchase anything. It's totally you're a, getting a over lot two hundred dollar value. Yeah. yeah, like a lecture can cost anywhere from, you know, 
20 to 30 40 dollars if you go to a lecture just to attend it right um and and the lecture yeah and the performances that we some of the performances we've seen are really amazing because because also uh, the reason why i say it's it's inexpensive and maybe it's different in other venues but i just recently registered for a convention i'm going to where i'm going to do some improv but it's like a medical entrepreneurship convention uh -huh. and my discounted rate as a presenter is 900 dollars for a three-day thing wow so <laughs> and i'm not being paid to lecture at it so wow <laughs> yeah uh, I'm also not paying that nine hundred dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> a university is paying it, but, okay. um, but yeah. So uh, to me, it's this is a really great deal. Even if you just hang out and just watch and just yeah jam, Look, how many people you're getting to? Yeah, dude. Yeah. The fucking times I just sat in the lobby, just got my deck of cards out, and just fucking jammed. <laughs> but jamming is also just like jamming is like absorbing. I, I too, will you know? give a shout out to John Ty. Yeah, your friend from Pittsburgh who has been showing me some stuff, and we've yeah. been discussing our shuffles, and so that is. So really, what they when they say jamming, they just mean like being social. Yeah, <laughs> it's just we had to label it in a magician specific way. Being a normal person interacting with another human being is called jamming <laughs> um, or sharing. Yeah. yeah. Sharing so ideas. okay, here's my uh, genuine oh, yeah, sorry, about yes. the convention that could be fixed. What can which be fixed? Is the ability or non-ability to purchase lecture materials after lectures. Absolutely. It this should be centralized. Huge. Like this is the most annoying thing that has happened to me this weekend. And it's happened multiple times. And there's two factors in it. One is there is no organization to the table where you purchase the stuff after the, Right, no line or anything to get into. Just a couple of velvet ropes. It's just like a, getting those, a bar, a, get, uh, getting a drink at a bar. Uh, get a tensa barrier. Right. You know, like at the airport and just set up a little queue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Orderly. There's room over there to set up a queue. There's plenty of room. Um, in that other corner next to the bathroom, they could put it all there. Yeah. So yeah. I hate, first of all, I, I, I hate this, this. We're all just rushing up to the table to get things. Right? right. Second, they didn't bring enough stuff. Right. Ryan Plunkett had 100 copies of his book for sale. There were for ten. So that's ten percent of how many people are here. Yes, there were probably five hundred or three hundred people, three to six hundred people in the lecture hall for right. his lecture. Right. So a combination of there's no organization to the table and the fact that they didn't bring enough creates this feeling that when I sense and I didn't do this for him, but I did do it for um, who did I do it for? I did it for uh, David Stone. David Stone. Yeah, that's right. This feeling that you left early. it's starting to end. I'm going to leave the lecture five to ten minutes early so I can get in line at the table. That's not a good like. That's not a good result, right? Because then I'm basically like going like like the the idea or like I got to sit near the exit or I got to run. Mm. No, I want to be able. You know what I would love to do? The lecture ends. Maybe I talk to the lecturer, like shake his hand, say thanks, thanks for whatever, mm -hmm. um, or talk to my friends about it. I want. I sort of mosey on out to the lobby and there's plenty for me to purchase or there's a digital version that everyone can get there, right. there's a way for me to spend my money to as discussed on this podcast show right. some respect for the lecturer right and but i don't have to like sprint like it's black friday right to get there yeah and i i'm i'd be really befuddled if this is not a solvable problem for Vanishing Ink. Absolutely. Okay, so because they published the book that, right. that he was selling, right? Right. <laughs> and then for Wolfgang Moser, they ran out of lecture notes, right. like, pretty fast. Right. And that's a bummer, too, because it's like, I, I, I'm i not the best note taker. Right. And a lot, a lot of lectures I go to, I'm like, you know what? It'll be in the lecture notes. Right. I don't have to write every single thing down. 
Right. Uh, so or that, a book that they're, they're yeah. So that's my big, uh, I think, solvable. Yeah. Gripe about this convention. Did you do? Did you do a third one? No, on that one. What about the cash thing? Well, the, the actually, I think that if you're a, um, if you're okay, if you're an individual dealer in the room, yeah. first of all, I think it's weird if you don't take cards. Well, no, no, no. Dealer. But I mean, that but they, if you're lecturing and you only take cash, well, they were only taking cash because, like with David Stone, it was that oh. the only way they could take it was on his phone. And he yes. had his phone on stage, right? So and so he wasn't there yet. He's got like PayPal on his phone, but but didn't but, do any good, right? And that's another thing you could centralize all the lecture payments. Yeah. You know, have Vanishing Inc. use their register, another one of their registers, and collect everything, and then just send out checks. That's all they have to do. Well, actually, know? what I would love is ten ninety nines. They got to do, but yeah, I would actually love if uh, if uh, Vanishing Inc. staff just manned the lecture table completely mm-hmm. from from the beginning of the weekend to the end there was always a table out there that was like lecture materials right so that right after a lecture it's their staff running it mm-hmm. um and the line so running. not like the magician's nephew is out there right or whatever <laughs> right right and right. also what i would love then is if later i decide i want to go get ryan plunkett's book right i can go there on saturday and Go to this table and be like, "Oh, you guys still have the lecture packet from Ryan's lecture, right? Right. The book that this is an older book that was available, right? Oh, great, I can get that. Right. Like I didn't wasn't thinking about getting it right after lecture, but now I've changed my mind. I want to purchase it. Yeah. They would capture some more sales. Yeah. I think, and and, and part of this also, I think, is just not good business because I think that the the ten minutes after Ryan Plunkett's lecture ends, yeah, is the most concentrated time that people would want to buy his book distilled. Which is coming out on Vanishing Inc. in like four months. Right. In four months, I'll still be interested, but I won't be as interested as I was just then. Right. Now, so now as a business owner, I'm empathizing with all the other ends of things you're not thinking about. Like, so it's going to be coming out. So I guess they only had a limited run of the first draft of it. Yes. Right? First printing. Yeah. For printing. So that's part of it. And then, or like, it's either maybe a test printing of it, right? So they had so many that they could do. Lecture notes, um, that's kind of BS. It's like, if you know how many people are here, and you only made 10% available, yeah. like maybe, I don't know, 25, 30, you'd still sell out probably, you know, because that's the other thing is they don't want to like, if especially if they're bringing it, they don't want to carry it, especially, you know, right. like an international flight with, uh, what was his name again? Wolfgang. Wolfgang. From Aust- Austria. From Austria. Um, and actually though, his accent's not that thick. Oh boy, are our, 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 you know, American no, no, no. English we, like really, we, uh, uh, really penetrating. We have a lot of uh, examples of, People lecturing and performing in English way better than we could in the right because <laughs> he was great. David Stone was great. And I was I was surprised how much I love David Stone. Actually, that'd be and something then, I would say. Yeah. And last night in the middle of it, I was like, I was, uh, we'll get to it. But like I was like, Danny Ortiz is doing this whole lecture in, in English, and he's kind of, kind of mentions like, oh my, like my English isn't that good or whatever. Right. But then he's specifically talking about, look, at this moment I say this. And this is what happens. Right. And I was like, oh, he's doing psychological subtleties in a second language. In <laughs> a second language, right. Um, yeah. That's crazy. So, um, yeah. I you know, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. We, we've, we've hit the nails of, of, like, what will we improve? The dealer's room, for sure. Um, and then you said the lecture stuff, this lecture sales and stuff like yeah. that. Now, I've got some pitches for next year's convention that I think I might actually email the guys. Oh, really? Because now I've met both Joshua and Andy. Oh, right. That's right. And uh, uh, I think I might email them. These are my two pitches for next Oh, yeah. Year. I want to hear that. One is in the corner where the restrooms are on the second floor. Yeah. Set up a little podcast studio. A oh. table. 
a table with three chairs that right. either has got a mixer board that anybody can use or is it an area where you can set up uh-huh. and and that little area is a reservable uh time like like we're gonna like the setup will take saturday from 11 to 12 right and we're gonna record our weekends podcast right there right but basically the whole weekend there's some kind of media being generated from that little corner. Yeah. Could have a live stream video if you wanted to. Right. But that way, like, if Discourse and Magic wanted to come do one. Right, which I think they're here. I think oh, I've yeah? seen them. Uh, at least the young lady that I see in, like, their, you know, Toronto Magic pictures. Uh-huh. I was like, she looked familiar. Oh, that's right. I see her Instagram. Yeah. So um, not not a... Okay, you could do it one way. There's two ways to do this. One is it's a Vanishing Ink uh, live stream podcast. They do right. the Vanishing Ink podcast there. They right. can capture a bunch of their guests. Right. Uh, capture them, like... And in cages, <laughs> um, do interviews with them, and the whole course, weekend just yeah. generates a bunch of vanishing ink content. The other, yeah. the the other proposal I would say is, it's a community area where anybody's got a podcast can sign up, and like we got our that slot from this to this, um, or we can do a uh, you know like you can grab impromptu guests that are like, hey, we David Williams isn't here, can we? Ch- hey, David, can we chat to you for like six minutes? Right, put your interview up. So. It's not people trying to grab um, space in a hallway or um, or that we're trying to convince a stranger who doesn't know us to come to our hotel room. Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, just to promote, like, yeah. here's a bunch of content that got generated by the convention. Right. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Because I looked at their Instagram, and the Instagram for the festival isn't really posting, but yeah, Vanishing I was surprised Inc. By is. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Um, second, proposal, <laughs> second proposal is... Yeah. Um, a, a competition, a contest games element. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. I love this idea. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so this is like some late night in one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. There's, for example, a um, mnemonica quiz. Right. Like, we're, because your friend Adrian, <laughs> you were like, we're doing mnemonica, and he came up, he was like, uh, 42. Right. And I was like, uh, Jack, uh, no, uh, four diamonds. Four di- <laughs> and then he went to you and was like, 27. And you were like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, been but, a long time. But nerdy, nerdy magic related quizzes, slash, like a uh, pub trivia quiz. Yeah, absolutely. Magic trivia quiz. Magic trivia quiz. Give away some, pra- like the dealers could like donate little gifts. Oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other idea I had was we give you three shuffle decks. How quickly can you get them into Mnemonica? <laughs> um, you know, I like that, yeah. Uh, the other one was uh, you have w- one through eight. How quickly can you put down eight piles that are one card, two cards, three cards, four cards, five, six, seven, eight, like with push-offs, oh, okay. the way Andy Gladwin does. Actually, you could tie them into, like, that's the thing that Andy Gladwin does in his master push-off video. Oh, yeah. So you could tie them to things that are like, you know, and if you want to see how to do this, look at it. Like, if you wanted to, right. you could do it that Product way. tie-in, yeah. yeah. So anyway, those are my two pitches for next I year. love it. I love it. Um and now on my side of having put run a festival and also that's like, like uh, so who's going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> what staff is going to do well, it? Well, I would help run the podcast. And do they have volunteers? Do they have volunteers? I would volunteer to run. Yeah. Actually, I would volunteer to host the games. Yeah. The uh, the Magi Fest games. Um, yeah. I, now I'm thinking of that too. I'm like, would I volunteer to do some things? I would I would love to help. You should host uh, yeah. it. I should host it. Because yeah. what will happen is I'll commit to hosting it and then I won't be able to come. Then you won't be able to come, right. Because you'll, you'll get a gig. The, day two. I'll be the cover. Day two was a long day. Long day. Also because day one was a long night. <laughs> yes. Uh, we did discover that they serve fairly strong drinks here in Columbus, yes. Ohio. 
Yes, late night, uh, very close. Um, tip top restaurant. The tip top restaurant has four dollar, pretty hard cocktail. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I will say, I think I told you this, but it's true again today. Um, I've stretching back to December thirty first. Yes, I have not experienced hangover once, and I'm not a person that has drunk much in my life. Yeah, and uh, so I've missed a career as an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> All these years. All these years. You could have been an alcoholic. I feel great today. Great. Um, you, I Friday didn't morning. catch the Chris Capehart show. I caught a little bit of it. I, I did. I watched the whole thing. So this is the kids' show and lecture where he performs for children and then lectures about it, and the adults sort of watch him perform for kids. And I yeah. did catch part of it. It was hilarious. But what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I wrote a big thing in notes. I basically like kind of noted along the way different things he did, and... The favorite, my favorite thing was just he just had a running gag. I mean, he looks great. Like he has this great look of like kind of having a a very trim mustache into goatee kind of thing. And, yeah, you know, with his white hair uh, and 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 dark skin. Like it looks pretty. He calls himself. He says at one point, "I'm I know I look like Santa Claus, but I'm not Santa Claus." And um, and but throughout the entire show, yes, it is definitely the thing you talked about with children's magic. What you've experienced at the Magic Castle of basically being kind of almost. And uh, antagonizing the children, yeah. <laughs> so to the to the delight of the adults in the back, right? Um, and and just call and, uh, and and like constantly saying like how old he is. Like he started at sixty five, and by the end he's eighty. <laughs> Every time he just makes reference to, come on, I'm seventy five, eight, and I'm seventy eight. You know, he just kept yeah. saying that. And um, but he didn't skip sixty nine. My brother up top. All right. <laughs> and uh, and he um, and he would ask them their name. And say it was a lovely name, but never commit it to memory in any way, shape, or form. Because the rest of the show, no matter who he was talking to, he'd just say kid. He'd call him kid. And it was like, yeah, exactly. Like a very like, hey, kid. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, I really liked it. But he got, what he was great was he just reminded me of what the best thing to do with children's magic is. Because I'm, I'm thinking about it. I think about, I loved doing it when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. performing for children. Uh, is that you have to have at least one or two really big uh, effects that you can really milk that they're yelling about what the magic that's happening mm-hmm. or that you are obviously cheating. You know, those uh-huh. tricks where it's like, I close the door and then I just open the door and you turn it upside down or whatever you do. And then see, it's different now mm-hmm. uh, or turn it backwards um, or like the dancing hanky where the magic's happening behind you and he turns around. Nothing's happening every time he turns around. Right. It really, that really engages them uh, and engaging as many kids as possible. Uh, I saw my friend Scott Green do the kids show at the castle. Yeah, and he did. Um, uh, I forget what it is, but basically, like, there's three cylinders, and for his, it was like one of them had like peanut butter and one of them jelly. Oh yeah, but basically, jelly, yeah. like switching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that one, it, it basically is, the is like that they mix together and that mix that mix. Peanut well, jelly? I I don't remember that, but I remember this. The, the it's basically like Snuffleupagus, where the kids are going like, "No, you're wrong." It's changed. and then he looks and like nothing has happened. Right. And then he just sort of keep unconsciously starts switching when he's not looking. Right. And they're like, because here's a peanut butter, here's a jail. And they're like, no, it's the reverse. Right. The tone of children screaming. Yeah. Uh, the, with a dancing hanky. Yeah. Where he was it like, was what? just... And that, and that big ballroom, was just, and there was, I don't know how many kids. They definitely did not, there's another planning thing, unfortunately. They didn't plan for almost enough room. They ended up, like, it took, like, ten minutes to load those children in, uh, out of the entire hour and a half. That was but, like, uh, them it, moving when he wasn't looking, and then he, it's just a fun. 
Oh, it was so much fun. So yeah. much fun. Um, the only thing I didn't like, I love to say, is that he kept bribing them into doing a trick or doing a, a, an experiment or whatever. So it was like, you know, who here oh, wants, who to, wants win to win $100? Who wants to who wants to win an Xbox? Yeah. And I was just like, and then just dashing their hopes. Like, I don't I don't totally agree with that oh, one. I, I didn't like, understand. I like that. You liked it? <laughs> Yeah. My favorite show, more screwing one, with kids. One though. of my favorite shows at Edinburgh Fringe is Fun and Games, which doesn't happen anymore. But it's yeah. sim- exact same vibe, but just comedy. That everybody, but they and always lose. No one can win any of these prizes. They no, like he plays musical chairs mm-hmm. with them, except he has one of those camping tent chairs attached <laughs> to his back, so he <laughs> always has a chair. <laughs> um, and then, but I like in that one when the kids start to act up or whatever, he literally takes uh, hard candy out of his pockets and chucks it at them. Oh, it. Oh really? I like okay. Uh, not like here you go. <laughs> he like throws it, throws and, like, it, hits him in their chest. Oh, geez. <laughs> so enjoyable. Oh my gosh! All right, all right. Who was next? Uh, who was next? What was next? Uh, uh, so I did not get to see the. We didn't go the lecture there. Yeah, yes, like, uh, the kind of talk. I guess the past to future. To didn't talk. get to see that. Um, uh, we took. I think we took a break and had lunch, or took naps, or tried to take naps. Yes. Then we saw Carl Hein lecture. Oh, wonderful! Great, Just such good work. I think I might be taking one of his tricks for my next audition. Really? They might be doing that magic square. Uh, oh thing. my God, the magic square! But it's not. It's not what you. If you're listening, not, it's not what it's you. Not what you think. But yeah, Matt. It's not. It's not the kind of magic square yeah. that you think. Right? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think Matt listens. To no, I doubt it. I doubt it. He's too busy. He has two children, uh, and a wife. Um, yeah, that was so great. But it basically is, yeah, it's more like a dealing, almost like dealing a poker hand kind of thing. But instead, it's a magic square for uh, for blackjack. Twenty, he's everything a, adds to twenty one, and it's got amazing. A couple things that are either synthesizing two different things, like the Ruby's cube thing. Yeah, oh, where, that was great. Yeah. Just a very creative, like, oh, you think it's this, but it's actually this, right? And I think worked in his to his advantage, where especially at a convention, right? Where oh, it's a poker skill demonstration right and i'm sort of like locking into this is what i expect from these kind of tricks right and i was like oh that's not what it is at all right something different yeah that was great um then wolfgang moser this is a series of three pretty good lectures boom 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 they really knocked it out wolfgang moser so good now at this point my second favorite lecture from the weekend yeah but but for a long time hung in there at number one yeah wolfgang moser did a version of think and drink Think a drink, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does a very kind of, I would I'd say, like kind of a beautiful, elegant, kind of old old world feeling kind of style. Yeah, I think his style is that it's like, it's parlor, it, what would parlor magic be like in the eight, late 1800s, mid-1800s? You know, yeah. very much what, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the author's name. Who wrote David Copperfield and... Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. Jesus. <laughs> and the Christmas Carols was the next thing I was going to say. Because um, he was a magician as well at that time. And it, it, the very parlor, like wearing a you know waistcoat with a with a vest and everything. Um, and a Pouchet? Is that what it is? A Porchette. Porchette. Um, this is the big thing about uh, Wolfgang Moser's lecture was pushing the idea of a Porchette. <laughs> and just how much. Well, I love that kind of stuff when it's like, here's something you can do and hear and just, just think of the possibilities. Yes. I love when they tell us stuff like that. Okay. Know? The even though I ended up I liking Danny Duarte's his show his lecture was in, insanely good yeah the single most coherent sticky oh, yes. sticky idea from the entire Let's see I got to hear it down yeah is Wolfgang Moser yeah saying when you bring a volunteer on stage mm-hmm. don't tell the audience to applaud for them 
stop telling the audience when they should applaud or not applaud in general. And when you finish tricks, stop saying thank you very much before they applaud. Right. Stop patronizing the audience and instructing them when to applaud and when to not applaud. And I feel like a lot of us were talking about that. Yes. One moment, and a lot of us now are like when we saw other people's shows and lectures. <laughs> All we can it think was about stake, it's sticking out every time a different magician would bring some of it and be like, "Well, give him a big hand," and we're all like cringing in our head every every single time. I would really uh, love it. This was his first U.S. lecture, by the way. Yeah, I would love it if this idea kind of got some traction. Yeah, stop saying thank you very much and stop saying a round of applause for this person. Just. Just stop. What's your name? John. John, everyone. And then and then just keep going. Right. Just when your trick's over, just end it. And he and did this very beautiful, like he just regarded the audience. Um, stop like stop uh, honestly, the core idea is stop being so needy. Right. Like, maybe you do a trick and it doesn't get a huge round of applause and you just move on. Yeah. You know? Uh in fact, uh John Ty asked both of us, you know, in comedy is their equivalent where like you tell a joke. Now, actually, there are some stand-ups who do this. They tell a joke and they're like, "Fuck you, that was funny." But in general, in improv stand-up, right? You're, you're not. We're not like doing a move in an improv show and they just be like, "Come on." Well, that just breaks breaks it down to committing rather than commenting. Yeah, that's that's something that always I try to tell my students is that commit to the idea, don't comment on it. Which you were talking about recently on the podcast about like not saying like, "Well, there goes five years of my life." Hey, you know how long it took me to learn that improv move? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I right. call that. Uh, <laughs> I call high that uh, high school with no dates. <laughs> I call that a thousand dollars. The theater's not giving me back. Oh, yeah. that is um, actually, that's actually a valid comment. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we gave a service. I say that as a uh, <laughs> speaking to the owner of an improv theater. Um, um, but I would say that yeah. Also, the other thing is I thought a lot. You know, we did, but we didn't hear a lot of that today. This I would say over this time period, not from people we really thought were really good. We performers. did not hear that this weekend so far. We have heard a little it, bit. We have heard it in some shows that we didn't like as much. Right. And so I don't think we we don't need to spend a lot of time on people we didn't like. But there were moments in people's. There were some shows that didn't go over as well as others, and I would say those shows had a little more of like. A little cajoling the audience into a response. Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's what I would say. What I want to summarize, like you're saying, because you're saying your top two are DRTs and um, Moser. Moser. Uh, is that so? I would say DRTs. We'll get into it, but is psychological. Yes, that's the most learning I got out of that. But plus, like the brilliance of how simple some of these tricks are, in a sense, simple, quote unquote, simple. And then with Wolfgang, is. Here he gave a stage presentation stuff that it was just it guised in teaching us these tricks. Mm-hmm. The biggest, the next thing after he said about you know not saying those things, he goes use a bar stool, dummy. He didn't say dummy. Right, right, right. Use a bar stool when you have somebody up on stage and you have them sit down. So they're at going, your eye level. They're at your eye level. They're not looking up at you. Right. That looks so much better. And I'm guessing that that's not the case always at um, at the. Oh, in general, no, no, no. At the like, or like the Magic Castle, Although I feel like I've seen a lot of pictures where they're regulars. Yeah, but maybe it's because they're sitting next to the at the table. closeup table. They sit, but um, in the parlor, most of them just stand. Oh, they just stand. They don't actually yeah. sit. Oh, okay, but if you ha- if you want to do something like that, where there's a prediction of the chair, like he did, yeah, have a stool. And I just never thought of that. I thought that was a great piece of advice. Uh, uh, the you want to talk about David Stone? David Stone lecture was good too. Yeah, um, so charismatic, and I didn't realize that he's a bit of an inventor himself. Yeah. And uh, 
has created some stuff that I've, I've, I've actually looked at before, like on Vanishing or wherever. Oh, like Hologram? Had you looked hologram, at Hologram? Hologram. I've looked at before and I didn't realize it was his. Yeah. And he did his little hologram thing. <laughs> when he did it, people were just like, what? <laughs> yeah, especially on camera. It just looked so magical. Yeah, like, the setup. It felt it, like it came out of the card. The setup is here is like you can look live at the person, but there's two screens on either side. Oh, and, right, right. And, I wasn't sure what the setup you were talking about. A, the podcast we're on. B, yeah. the setup of, of the space, or C, the setup of the trick. I wasn't sure what yes. you were referring to. <laughs> That's why it's such a great name for the podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, that, seeing that moment when that happens in real life was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes cool. you, you get a description or even see a video. It's not the same as seeing it right there. And then Yeah, so I went and bought all his stuff. You bought all his stuff. That's right. Um, um, and then I took a nice little uh, uh, <sighs> din- nighttime nappy break yeah wait what did i do during that time uh, you I saw see? morgan west i well here's the thing i saw <laughs> i saw the beginning of morgan and west yeah and then despite it being freezing in that auditorium or ballroom I this say. morning it's very warm by the way. it's very warm now today right and then because i had and i had like my zipper all the way up uh i decided to like just step out and walk around, and get some fresh air after 15 minutes of their show. Not to say anything about them at all. Yes. Also, um, I have seen Morgan and West perform yeah. about seven times. Um, yeah. And so I did. I will just say that I took it as an opportunity for me to take a little right uh, rest break. Um, I kind of uh, wish I saw their closer, but I did, I, but I did buy their book. So yeah, that's I, right. I've, I've contributed. Yeah, to you you've paid homage, Mr. Morgan. Paid I had a nice conversation with Reese Morgan in the dealer's room. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. great. And so I, I do feel I've contributed. I, by the way, I've also bought a, their Kodak, and I bought their. So they're doing fine. Yeah, and they <laughs> and they did sell out of that book you're referring to. They mentioned that in their the beginning of their lecture, which I saw about ten minutes of as well. Oh, they so. sold out of that. Yeah, and the trick that they were selling through Card Shark as well. So yeah. that's good. Um, and then, uh, but I but I would say that what I did see was their opener was the. Um, the uh, I'm assuming a code act in which they do the coins yes. and he can tell by the sound of the coin and then the sound of someone's ID going into a glass. Uh-huh. Uh, he can tell what state it is. He can tell uh, what their birthday is, all that kind of stuff. It was really great. Did they have like a big funnel that they were listening through? No, they just used uh, they just used the he just turns away and he has makes solid eye contact with somebody. Him, uh-huh. he being Morgan, while Wes drops it into a, a big like snifter glass. Oh, maybe that's what it. I feel like maybe I saw them once with a funnel. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe. that's just in my memory. Yeah, or maybe they just didn't want to pack it. Yeah, when they flew here. Um, so I didn't see their closing, and I saw their middle, like kind of middle part a little bit. Um, so yeah, I took a break and then came back for the tail end of the next show that you saw the whole thing. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Hart essentially doing a a conventiony Tory version of his show, The Nutshell, uh, which I saw in Fringe a couple years ago, um, and uh, I thought he did okay. Yeah, um, I like Ben Hart. I think he's uh, very charming, um, very like skilled magician. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this was a tough. What you're speaking about, a tough room, tough room, for really it. tough room. Because um, I would say, you know, I, I guess the thing is, I don't think people should. Maybe they should, but it feels like a lot of work for someone to like cater their show to a convention crowd. But he's right. doing a lot of classic effects. And so yeah. that room is going to be very hard to impress with Gypsy Thread. Right. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's going to be. Or right. you have to put in some heightening refinement to it that only magicians would care about. Right. That's the problem is like that makes me think of I think we've even come up this weekend of like uh, magician foolers. It's like 
why they are they are the smallest percentage of your audience i think it, i think it's good right? to do them for fun you know right but then like so do you but put no. that much of your energy into it unless you're selling that thing no, why would you no. put your energy into putting that in your show necessarily um, i will you know? say ben's show was also it hurt a little bit because Wolfgang Moser had done diminishing cards. And that definitely he, did hurt he that did diminishing cards. In his, and it was, you could feel the audience being like, we just saw this. We just saw it hours two, ago. Three hours ago. Right. Um, um, now, okay. Nice presentation around it. Very Copperfield-esque. It Look, felt like he was very influenced by David Copperfield, David Copperfield, despite being very young. I know that Ben Hart will never hear this. I know that people who know him will never hear this. This will okay. never reach Ben Hart in any way. But I okay. will just say that... Um, you like you you like him like him no just no <laughs> no I would no, really like <laughs> I would really like this is just me imposing my taste onto his which sure. is not fair but I would really appreciate it if he just edited out a lot of this hedging undercutting jokes that he has that has have creeped into his act okay the along the lines of like like for example at one moment when he did diminishing cards. He kind of looked at us and like, it like encouraged us to clap for him. Ah, um, there like were saying, a lot. This is of, where you clap, everyone. Yeah, there were a lot of like corny dad jokes in it, mm. which I think are more common in the UK than here, or, or, or more acceptable. More acceptable. Yeah, they they well they used to be common twenty years ago when I first got into magic. Um, so, or not but first, but just the a lot of like. The, 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 I guarantee this is a taste thing, and that he doesn't want to change it. He has a lot of energy of like, like, ain't I a stinker? Like, like, well, what a like, uh, ooh, like what a little, like little saucy thing I just said, <laughs> you know? And I just think it's, it's almost like um, he's got two characters at odds with each other. I was going to say, I only saw the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes of it. And that does not match up with the character I saw for those last 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah, so what you saw is the, do you see the egg? I saw the egg. Okay, so the if egg and diminishing cards, and diminishing cards are the yeah. tone of what I saw him do like five years ago. Right. Um, there were there's parts of the show that are feel very normal magician. We bring an audience member, right. or like we, or like I make fun of people a little bit. That just I think it's put it this way: it's a thing that other people do. That he he's those are things that he, the other people can do. Whereas I think there's very interesting parts of his show that are more to do with like. His family, where he comes from, mm -hmm. or like deal that aspire more towards beauty, mm -hmm. that I think um, are things that he can do that nobody else can do. So, um, so that's just me. That's my taste. Uh, yeah, you think I maybe that? Well, I don't think he agrees with me because it's moved more in that direction and away from right what i like well maybe it's just because that's where he's found success like with yeah. britain got talent well i also like that. think that's britain's got talent i also think that's touring in the uk the stuff that i'm right. talking about that i don't love is will probably do great right so yeah it's those niche things that are you know more darker sometimes do not uh not even dark but just like more more i would like to just stay art artsy on the, i think is the kind of the word i'm even looking for no? i just like yeah i would agree with that except i think that darren brown is very much oh. made a home in that world in england uh, member yeah. that he did not do as great as I thought I I would have hoped he would have done yeah but in the U S you know but Darren Brown doesn't have like a, a uh, I don't think he has as many corny jokes in his show as some of these guys do I see yeah no definitely I didn't I agree um, okay so right. 
Um, Where are we? Are we at least till Saturday? Well, let's at least just we'll we'll end with oh my gosh the highlight of the weekend. Um, like I I don't know what really to say about this. We saw Danny Ortiz do a show. Well, he's your new god that we know. Well, I was thinking like if if this was two (laughs) hundred if this was two hundred years ago and he was starting a religion, yeah. You'd Me and everybody in that room would be yeah. like, "We, you are our god." Well, yeah, we were in the second row, and the front row was bowing like they were, we're not worthy. After we're not one worthy. trick, after the first trick, yeah. that's right. It was a good, it was a doozy. Um, I'll give him that. So, and what was most exciting about this it was, it was a one and a half hour slot, and um, about he at the top of the thing, he was like, "Well, it's only an hour and a half. It's not much time." I was like, "Oh, well, how long is this show going to take?" <laughs> right. And right. then he did about, I would guess, twenty to thirty minutes of the of material. Um, it was probably yeah. It was it was less than thirty because I remember looking at my watch and it wasn't quite midnight. It was almost midnight. Oh right. And, and he's he, like, I don't have much time. I'm like, it's only been a half an hour, right? Right. And he was like, Thank you very much. And people were clapping for him. I was like, Oh, this is a lecture too. Right. Right. I thought right, it was right, only right. a show. Right. Um, so that's very satisfying because you just. I mean, he. I think he blew everybody's brains out. Oh, amazing! With the four tricks that he did. Yeah. Um, and so then to be able to sit there and be like, "Oh, that's how it's done," right, was great. He didn't actually go and explain every single thing he did. No, he. he and he said that he didn't want to. He wanted to uh, make sure that uh, there was still some wonder left or whatever. Yeah. But he said, "But you, you, I, I hear you. You just come to me and and I, I explain. I explain. Yeah, yeah. in the hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just come to me yeah. in the hall. I explain, look, I explain. Listen to me." Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> um, um, I wrote down. Did I write it down here? I, oh yeah, it's actually it's out of order because there were some blank pages I had, so I filled them. Okay, if you know um, Danny Deutsch's material, yeah, he did a, an any card of any number. Mm-hmm. He did uh, his trick or not or not. He yeah. did. I I don't know what it's called with the bill, the serial um, number, dollar bill thing. Yeah, with dollar the bill thing, and he did um, as a bonus thing. What he was did, the kicker? He did yeah, was ritual. Ritual, it's right? Called ritual, ritual. Yep. which is also an any card any number, but uh, it's different. Yeah. Um, and but the pick any card any uh oh what I mean no, the, the any card any number, but it's in the spectators deck, <laughs> like just kept blowing people. Blew well, everybody. what the, the that kind of and stuff. so I would say that it's almost indescribable how good he is at just st- his stage presence is off the charts. Yeah, his ability to handle the moments and yeah. his ability to be relaxed in himself is so admirable and like everything I want to be as a human being and performer. <laughs> yeah. Because um the moment where he's saying, look, this is any card at any number where I don't touch the deck. Right. I'm not going to touch the deck. Some magicians touch touch the deck and he takes the deck from the guy and he's like, some people, you know, they cut, they shuffle, right. they peek. <laughs> They put something else here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they do passes, and he's doing all these things with hands. And right. he's and he goes to a lady in the front row. He's like, I don't understand why people laugh when I do this. Like, why are you laughing right now? Right. And she was like, you're touching the because you're touching the deck. You're doing all the moves you're saying you don't do. And he's like, lady, I never said that I was going to do it with this deck. Right. <laughs> and then he turns <laughs> and looks at the deck that's been sitting on the table, the table. for the whole time. <laughs> right. And then never touched it again, and like they, you know, we went to the 18th they, position, and so it was like, there it is. But like that moment where he orchestrated, like I'm just going to force someone in the audience to be like, "No, you're called BS on me." Right. Have that pivot was like extremely masterful. 
And what was also masterful is just these constant, and, and also in a second language, by the way. Yeah. Throwing out asides that are just for us, that are like things he would never have in his normal act. Yeah. That are he would just drop every kind of move and thing you could think yeah. of and talk about. He'd be like, um, "Well, I mean, if you want to look, Matt, Max, if you want to get it to the 18th, but you know, put it to the 18th spot." Right. No, no, no. Estimate it. Estimate. estimate, don't estimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or put it to the ninth in Pharaoh. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> right. like clearly just <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but I wrote down a couple of quotes, if, if you'll indulge me, yes. that he said. Um, uh, and I think and I hope I got it right, because I was also admittedly was so, so late and I was so tired because I had not gotten I really actually had not gotten a nap. I kept trying to, but I was buzzed. I was I was so tired. I was like awake. Um, honor the spectators emotion. What I do is never the same as what they feel I do. Yeah. I was like, oh. He also said, what I do, what they see me do, and what they feel that I did are three separate things, and they are never the same. Right. Um, uh, and one of the things was, if you remember, it is true. So, like, if, you, if you're if saying something as you're going through what you're remembering of the trick, like, kind of, sometimes that's what they call closing the doors of saying, giving us the story of what's happened so far. Yeah. And you just state it as fact. It is true. If you forget, if you go like, oh, wait, was it this at any time? Now it's a trick. And they're not they're not with you. I th- I, that's what I that's what I got from it. Um, and that he feels that at least he was trying to preach that um, magic is open source. That magic is for everyone, not my magic. He like emphasized not it's my not his. magic. Yeah. It's not <laughs> his. No, he's saying uh, it's for sharing, but not mine. He but, actually had a very funny uh, bit where right. he was like, whatever I do do whatever you want with it right do any kind of performance whatever and then he was like except for and he was just <laughs> i thought that was funny well then that wasn't somebody else was it was it um uh was it car no there was something maybe it was ryan somebody said that um you can do exactly what i do oh yeah was that ryan let me see real quick here no that was that was Chris Capart. Capart. What did he say? Um, he said, when he was talking about, he did the linking rings, which he did not do in the show for the children. Yes. I think in part because there were some kind of special needs children and he did not want to make all that noise. Yeah. Um, that's why he's also, his whole routine is just three rings. He's like, why do you need all eight? Like, that makes so much noise kind of thing. Right. But he said, you can do exactly what I, you can do exactly what I do, but it will not be exactly like I do it because it'll be you doing it. Yeah. It's basically like that's not I'm paraphrasing there. Right. But I, that just went like, yes, no matter what. Um, and that's why even like if someone just apes someone's exact act, it's not as good. Yeah. Because it's just aping it. But if they put a little bit of themselves, it's it's better. Um, that's also what Danny Ortiz said was was, was don't just it. do someone else's routine. Like if you take someone else's routine, and you just do it. Right. The, it's not you doing the trick. It's them doing the trick through your hands. Right. Um, right. So anyway, I'm uh, so tomorrow morning. I'm taking Danny to his uh, smaller right. seminar. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, uh, but now we're gonna go watch Abner. Let's gotta, do it. We got to get down there. Yeah. Let's see him lecture. Um, so I'll think I, I'm gonna publish this much as the, our first episode. This I is think. it. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, so check out Justin at the Steel City Improv Theater. That's right. And also the IBM Ring in July. You'll be having the international convention. That's there. right. We'll come and record more. But I just think this is a nice chunk for our first Absolutely. little update. Hey, Chris. Yes, Justin. You want to hug it out? (laughs) (laughs) We also like that podcast. Yeah, Justin wanted that to get in there. 
Bye. <laughs>